the thing about Ford that I love is that we're focusing on bottom up. People, you know, people love to talk within the binary of the left and the right. And we're not left or right, we're forward. And people are like, naturally their minds wants to, wants to go, we're middle, they're middle, they're middle. But they're, we're not necessarily middle. We're literally going to communities and going to people and letting them figure out policies where you know, we're presenting data, innovative solutions, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. What solves the homeless problem in LA is probably not gonna solve the homeless problem in Lexington, Kentucky. And it doesn't mean that one solution is conservative and one's Democrat. Yeah. It literally just means that they're solutions. It is my pleasure and privilege to welcome to Forward the finance director for the Forward Party, late of the Democratic Party, Kate Sayer. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Andrew. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with you. You and I have shared so many experiences already over the last number of months, yep. road trips here, there, cram, uh, crammed into a little compact car. <laughs> yeah. We drove between cities uh, together. We looked and said, you know what? Why fly when you can drive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's driven the one between San Francisco and LA. LA. They should. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Pacific Coast Highway. It's a delight. So you made a very, very significant move from the Democratic Party to the Forward Party. Uh, so thank you for doing that. But, I'm glad you have me. <laughs> no, but, but what prompted that huge career move for you? Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it, was, it was both an easy and a hard decision. I was getting more and more disaffected with the Democrats, been working there for a long time um, with some high up, you know, Democrats, did some, did some consulting on my own, uh, worked for a couple, you know, nonprofits, advocacy groups, things like that. Um, How many well years were, were you? Almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So I uh, started in the congressional level and have worked uh, at state and local as well. So um, all campaign stuff mainly. Really enjoyed what I was doing, but got into politics to do something positive. <laughs> <laughs> and I really started strongly feeling like I was not doing that anymore. Um, I had told myself after 2020 I was going to give the Democrats one more cycle. And I was like, and then I'm going to figure out what to do because I'm like, if I leave the Democrats, like I'm not a Republican, so I'm not going to go to the Republicans. I'm certainly not a libertarian. I wouldn't go there. And so was like, I guess I would just like find some sort of nonprofit to just kind of like sit in and, and, I, and like watch America collapse. Um, <laughs> Dark, but yeah. I get it. Um, but luckily, uh, Forward was launched, um, read your book, had followed you from the presidential, uh, but didn't run into you on the trail or anything, but uh, followed you from the presidential, read your book, listened to an interview with Barry Weiss, and was like, this seems where I'm at, and if this is going to work, it's going to be, it's it's got to be this, and it's got to be now, and... Uh, went on the website 
and literally the only job posting was the one that fit exactly what I do. So uh, applied for it. Well, actually, I wrote a cover letter, sat on the cover letter for like a week or two, kept sitting on it, had a bad day where I was, and was like, I'm done. I am done with the Democrats. I'm done. I'm leaving. Drink a whole bottle of wine. And then hit send. And then hit send. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are now. (laughs) So I'm glad I did that. Uh, I I remember when Matt uh, got your application and he mentioned to me, he said, hey, we had a really, really strong experienced applicant uh, for the finance position. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic to hear. And then when uh, I had a call with you, I was like, wow, she seems amazing. Um, So when you said it was both easy and hard, what was like the easiest part and the hardest part? The easiest part was reminding myself who I was as a kid and what I got into this career for and saying, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be able to help America. I don't want to keep, you know, spinning my wheels. The hardest part was that this is my career. And, I mean, you know very well and people who have left to come to forward know very well the two-party system is very entrenched. And so to leave a party, especially when you make it your career, uh, and you know that's how I live, <laughs> yeah. was terrifying. So yeah. it was the idea of you know knowing if I leave, I more than likely could never go back. And uh, so was very scared. And you know, I mean, I'm uh, I care a lot about America, but I'm also you know personally ambitious person. Yeah. Uh, and so. It was weighing kind of, I guess it was weighing the risk of it. And I, uh, and ultimately I was like, you know what? I don't care if it's a, if, if it's a risk, it's a risk worth taking. So, Well, su- super grateful that you took that risk. And I have to say that your position is shared by a multitude of other people who oh, if yeah. you make your living in one party or another, leaving is terrifying. Yeah. I have... Um, lots of friends who work actually both in the Republican and Democrat uh, system. So friends on the Republican side and on the Democratic side who have privately told me, I am jealous that you left. I don't think I could do it. I need to make my living. I can't piss, you know, the right people, the, these people off. And I hope everything works out and, and good luck. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, have some courage. But I also get it. And I'm I'm lucky enough to not have a family that I have to support. So I didn't have to think about like children and all that stuff. And I do have friends who do have to think about that. So I, I give them a little bit more grace, but not that much grace, because don't they want the country to be better for their children? I appreciate your courage and character and fortitude a great deal, because uh, there are many, many people who got into politics for the right reason. But then have found it to be a, a bit less effective uh, and more cynical than they might have hoped oh, yeah. in their younger years. Uh, but then they're stuck. It's like, you know, hey, I've been doing this for eight, ten years. I have some seniority. I have some experience. I mean, w- one person who made a similar uh, call is in the next room is Joel Searby, who was yep, yep. podcasted. He came over from uh, from the other side, but it's a similar experience where you lose a lot of your professional contacts, you lose a lot of the value network that you spend years and years 
building up. So I'll say to you, Kate, too, grateful, um, but also it's one reason why we're going to make this work at a grand scale because character should be rewarded, in my opinion. And I will say, too, that when I left the Democratic Party, uh, I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. Uh, little did I know. Yeah, you, you <laughs> underestimated that. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose I did underestimate that. But, <laughs> but, but it's something that uh, I actually got a call from uh, uh, someone I, I admire and respect a great deal who called me up. I'm not sure I've ever told the story. Uh, it's like maybe two days after um, I leave the party and, uh, you know, there's a, a bit of a social media like brouhaha. And then he called me up and said, hey, man, I just wanted to say it is great to actually see real life human uh, courage. Uh, and so like, just want to express my deep admiration for you. This is someone that I admire. And yeah. so that, that meant a lot. Uh, but I, I hadn't realized that it was going to be a thing, um, in part because I didn't really make a living yeah. in the same way. And so it's one reason why I think what you did is 10, 100 times more admirable and uh, principled and courageous than, than Yeah, thanks. I, <laughs> I, I would say, though, it is, it's very helpful for people like me when people like you publicly leave uh, because it, it creates it, – it adds more cr- credibility to it. You know, you're a public figure, whereas I'm not. And so uh, having, having that in my back pocket is – people are like, oh, okay. So this is like a thing happening. Oh, like, it's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, making, we're making a thing. It's for oh, yeah. all the time. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high-quality mattress... It is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com slash yang. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, there there are a lot of disillusioned, upset people on the Democratic side. Oh, yeah. Uh, And one of the things that we have to make a distinction about is that like I, I want the same good things to happen for people now than I, I that I same as I did when I was a Democrat. Yep. Same as you. It's just we think that this is a more real, effective way to make those things happen in real life, oh, rather yeah. than be someplace else where you're advocating for it, but it may or may not ever happen in real life. But you're going to make money 
whether or not it happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, I sat there and I watched the messaging work in a way where you were incentivized to lose on issues so that you could win re-election, campaign off of it, you know, point the finger at the other side, the other person. Uh, both sides do this. But, I, you know, yeah. I didn't want to be party to that. I was like, I want to be able to vote for something and not against something. And at the same time, I want to be able to vote for something that I think they'll actually work towards doing. And there were very few times that I actually saw that happen. Wow. For the most part, they just put up policies that they knew were going to fail so that they could just campaign and raise money off of them. And that's just, it was very heartbreaking and frustrating. Uh, one of the main reasons why the Democrats might uh, outperform or be competitive in November is the Dobbs decision. Yeah. Uh, and so in, in a way, there this is like winning by losing. It's like, well, yeah. we failed to protect women's reproductive rights, but it's going to be a great rallying cry for us in November. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, the next day, and there was some stuff that, you know, I really commend Gen Z for kind of calling the bullshit, but because uh, it was mainly Gen Zers out like protesting and saying like, but I'm also getting texts from Democrats asking me for money. And it's like, you had 50 years to do this. Why did you not protect me? And it's very interesting when I talk to my liberal friends, uh, you know, and I'm pretty left as it is. But when I talk to them, I'm like, I get why you're like, oh, no, I have to vote for the Democrat because they're the only pro-choice one. And I'm like, yeah, but are they really pro-choice? Because they didn't even try and get ba a basic thing passed. Because if you look at, like, Europe, a lot of the abortion bans and stuff are after, you know, 19, 22 weeks, things like that. And if we had come up with something like that, at least – you could at least start there to where you're, you know, someone in Mississippi isn't completely screwed. And, and we're, but they decided not to because it's easy to campaign off of. Yeah, that they tried to pass uh, a bill that Republicans would never go for. Oh, yeah. And, and there were moderate Republicans who were raising their hands being like, look, if you do something middle of the road, like, I'm into it. Yep. Uh, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, there were multiple Republican senators saying, like, we can pass something that codifies Roe v. Wade in the basics, but the Democrats did not put that bill forward. No, because and they, they didn't want to. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, it's it's very much a symptom of a dysfunctional two-party system. Oh, absolutely. It, it, and and I don't want to like just sit here and say like all these politicians are evil and, and calculating because I know a lot of them, they're really actually good people who, who also got into this. For the right reasons. For the right reason. Uh, but then as you get more and more into the system, you know, you don't want to lose your job. You start telling yourself you're actually making a difference. Like, it's it's rough. And then you're like, oh, no, I'll, I'll win this one and then I'll actually pass it. And then you're like, wait, no, I need to win this one. So I'm not – so then I'll actually pass something. And you just keep justifying it to yourself. And it's very – it's heartbreaking. This is the fundamental truth of it, Kate, is that it's easy to paint – folks in the system with a brush and say, oh, they're corrupt, they're bad. Uh, but a lot of them are good people yeah. who showed up and were like, hey, let me do something positive. The problem is that they get stretched in a dozen different directions by this incentive structure that yes. ends up pounding them down and, and uh, diluting any ability to have a positive impact. Ezra Klein wrote in his book, Why We're Polarized, toxic systems compromise good individuals with ease. Yeah. And, and that's really what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, 
honestly, like one of my favorite moments in history is the American Revolution. And I love the Founding Fathers, um, have since I was a kid. I have a kite and a key on my arm for Benjamin Franklin. Uh, and it makes me very sad to see something that they would never have wanted yep. happening. I mean, how many of them warned against a two-party system and wanted an actual functioning democracy and a republic? I mean, a republic if you can keep it. And oh, I really hope we can keep it. But I think it's uh, up to forward. It's coming down to the wire for sure. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online... I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing. You don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Just hit one button and then your internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data. No matter what device you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S VPN dot com slash Yang. Go to expressvpn.com slash Yang to learn more. So you got into democratic politics to do good things, uh, and you had a deep personal set of experiences that drove you in this direction. You grew up in, uh, would it be fair to call it Appalachia or? Yeah, part of it was Appalachia, then central, like central Kentucky, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you left the country when you were a teenager but had to come back because of unfortunately uh, like a, a really tough family experience. Yeah, when uh, I had always wanted to move to England since I was a kid, I think it had something to do with the Spice Girls and Harry Potter got a job right out of high school in England, which was really cool. Uh, also, they hired an unqualified person, but hey, uh, take it. Uh, <laughs> so I move over there and pretty much immediately, two weeks actually after I moved, my brother got shot and he got shot in the head. I consider my family one of the lucky ones because he actually survived, uh, but he got shot in an area that has severely changed you know, his life and our lives. Uh, it has dictated a lot of stuff in our adult lives. I was only 18 years old. He was 19. So our entire adult lives have been, you know, my brother who was this person before he got shot and is this person after he got shot. And, you know, there's still lots of the same my brother there. We joke, we, we have the same jokes. We 
you know, reminisce a lot of stuff, but areas of his brain are don't function as well. He is paralyzed uh, in his left arm and somewhat in his left leg. It makes it hard to work. Um, it has driven him to worse drugs, to in and out of, of the prison system, you know, uh, hard to hard to hold a job as a as uh, someone who is both disabled and formerly incarcerated, and is in this country, and uh, and so, you know, it's been a struggle. But I, yeah, it it was a huge moment. I actually had never was always political growing up. Uh, actually, grew up a Democrat in Kentucky, which is unusual. Yeah, statistically at least. <laughs> yes, and it made me uh, a contrarian on a lot of things. One issue that I didn't think much about at all growing up was guns, just because it was Kentucky. I was around them and never really cared for them, but didn't like hate them. And then to watch my brother get shot after you know he lived, I knew he was going to walk and talk again. I moved, I moved back to England to fulfill my job. Um, obligations and then was there and like witnessed a completely different type of relationship with guns. People had hunting guns and and other things. There were there were parts of cops like that didn't have guns. Only like a select group of their like police sure, yeah. force has guns. Yeah, most because of their populace isn't armed. Yeah. So they don't have to like fight with their populace. That ended up becoming my main political driver after, you know, after I left England. When I started working in politics, really focused a lot on gun, on like gun. I don't like calling it gun control, like gun violence prevention. I went to I went to college uh, in New York City, and I studied uh, political science, and then was part of the uh, Hunter College Roosevelt program. And so I was a I was like a Roosevelt Scholar thing. You have to like apply to get in, and you write a policy paper. And mine was literally on gun policy in Kentucky. And I focused a lot on intimate partner violence, actually, uh, yeah. when I did the policy paper. And so much can be changed. And actually, when you pull people, that's like what they want. <laughs> so it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting that I could see both where the, where some sides would block legislation, but then where other sides would try and pass extreme legislation in order to say the other side of blocking legislation and then nothing common sense or protective can get done and then these people are are like literally dying and and you see that in opioid policies in prison policies and healthcare policies and it's just over and over and over again there's a middle ground of common sense policies that most Americans would agree on including folks who in what you're saying are avid gun owners yeah. who was, would accept certain regs uh, that they see as even-handed and rational. Yeah. Uh, and some of them, it's possible that you can own a gun and still be concerned about partner violence, suicide, yep. uh, any of a host of things. Yeah, absolutely. And where there's like a high level of veterans in Kentucky and veteran yeah. suicide is a huge deal. And, uh, and people legitimately care about that. It's just... There's a whole lot of, I just constantly go back to the systemic issues with our two-party system. Yeah. And I just constantly kept seeing that. So when Ford came along and offered an alternative, I was like, I had, I mean. You have to do it. We have to yeah. build it. Yeah. Uh, so you worked in Democratic fundraising and you worked at Everytown for Gun Safety. Yep. 
Yeah, I did. I, I actually started every town for gun safety as just a volunteer. Wow. And uh, was a I was working in politics, but was doing every town on the side, and became a survivor fellow. So would speak about my story and talk to you know news and and volunteer groups and advocate ad, advocate for people and you know start help start the Boston chapter, which was really fun. And then uh, the option to be the Midwest political director came up and. I got that job and I did that for the 2020 cycle, which was really interesting because it was the middle of the country, which is a very difficult place to be running um, on gun policy. So, but we supported, you know, it was nice supporting Democrats and Republicans. We had to find, we had to work really hard to find Republicans. And then it was just kind of dealing with, with the system that I just kept seeing the dysfunction of the two-party system, even at the local level, because we worked on elections up and down the ballot, and just seeing just how in, how entrenched it is. Like, you can't even say certain things wow. because, you know, you identify as red or blue, and, and you have to, like, watch what you say, and you have to, you know, only vote in one way, and it was just, it was, you know, devastating. So it was. It's a very frustrating thing because I care very much about the issue. Yeah, clearly. Uh, I mean, you you've been working on it for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, both personally and professionally. I started realizing all these issues I cared about. I mean, whether it was the environment, which is some, which is actually how I got my start in politics. I started Teen Environmentalist of Kentucky when I was a teenager. A lot of these things are just not going to change until you change the incentive system. The incentives are not gonna change until you get rid of the two-party system. It's an absolute nightmare, and it's the reason that we're, that we're where we're at now. I mean, Trump, people like to point at Trump and say he was, like, he started this, it's awful, blah, blah, blah. He's, a, he's an absolute symptom of the dysfunction. The fact is that the two-party system might have made sense at a particular point in time, but it stopped making sense at some point in the last number of years. And uh, you you know this, where the, the two parties were ideologically quite similar for about 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> it was like vanilla versus French vanilla. Yeah. And then they started to diverge uh, in the 60s, and then that's just uh, accelerated over the last number uh, of cycles. One of the fascinating things about forward uh, is the nature of the people uh-huh. that have joined. And your profile, I think, is uh, in some ways a great example where you grew up in Kentucky, uh, you went to school in New York, you worked in Democratic politics uh, in New York and Boston. Uh-huh. Um, you also worked in the Midwest in Democratic politics. You right now live in Kentucky. Yep. Uh, and you're exposed to people all the time who are kind of not in like one bubble or the other. Yeah. And I was on a fascinating email chain yesterday with a bunch of forward party leaders and a surprising number of them had connections to the working class where it's like, oh, I'm the first in my family to go to college. Oh, I'm like the, the first in my family that that's... Uh, a professional. And so they all ended up sharing this and it ended up being a very, very consistent thread. And they were actually surprised at each other. They were like, oh, I didn't know you you had this in your 
background. Uh, you kind of straddle the, these worlds. Yep. Uh, when, so first, do you think that that actually is something that brings people to forward? And second, what was your experience within one bubble or another? Because I feel like you kind of uh, are very forward in that. You kind of bridge both worlds. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to quote one of my friends here, uh, if I can get it right. But he said, right now, it really seems like the two parties are just this group of elites on either side who don't give a shit about the regular people. And I was like, holy moly, that's so true. And that's where I think you're seeing like these working class people. But that's also why you saw Trump had this weird way of, even though he, you know, not a working class guy, he comes across as a working class guy, but also like listened to them and talked to them where a lot of people just weren't talking to them. And that's, and so did Bernie Sanders. And that's why you do see some, and I mean, even you did that. And that's why you do see some of like Sanders voters move to Trump. I think some of your voters move to Trump. And, and it's, it's this disconnect of elitism versus, you know, non, I guess, non-elitism. But like we're people not sitting in their ivory towers and you connect very well with them. Sanders connects very well with them. Unfortunately, Trump connected very well with them. He has this weird ability to sound like he's telling the truth, even when he's not. But um, actually, it, during that election, I was living in New York City. And, you know, I did some stumping stuff for Hillary in, in, in different places uh, through some of my clients. And when I would go back to Kentucky, very rarely, but to visit family or something, and I was just talking to people, I was like, Trump is... He's tapping into something. The good news is these people are not all deplorables, like Hillary said. Yep. There are people who are sold on him, and it's just not going to change. But there is a good group of people who just want to be listened to. Yep. They want things to change. They're not necessarily even super far right if you talk to them policy-wise. No. Nope. Like, they're like free universal health care but they just like have nowhere to go and i think forward is providing that and it's providing that in such a positive way where it's not inciting anger and violence and and it's really giving these people a place to go and it's it's given me a place to go a lot of my friends want to come over and it, it's really interesting and so being in the two and then the second part of the question the two bubbles were just so strange, especially <laughs> during the Trump years, going back to Kentucky and being like, listening during the primary too, where people are like, oh, well, like iffy about Trump. And then by the time he won the primary, like completely sold on him, like in love with him. And then Hillary said the deplorable thing and they were like even more sold. They were like, you're gonna call me deplorable because I'm thinking about voting for this guy. You, you've sold it, I've got it. This is who I'm voting for. And then coming back to New York, I remember I was I was working full time and in school full time. I took a, a the long way through college, um, but I was <laughs> sitting in class, and someone was talking. We were talking about environmental policy, and Trump had just won, and everyone was still reeling. But you know, we were just trying to get through class and everything. And you know, middle of New York City, Upper East Side. And this girl in my class was like, have you guys ever even seen SUVs? Like, what are the point of them? 
And I was like, you are the reason Trump won. Like, I was livid. I was like, have you ever been to anywhere else in America other than Manhattan? Because SUVs are useful and people who have three kids kind of need them or a van. And we should be working on policies that make better SUVs for the environment and promote American jobs in making those like electronic cars and other things like that, not shaming people who drive SUVs out of necessity. And so I was <laughs> like jumping from bubble to bubble and it was very strange because back and then people were shocked back home. My best friend worked for Mitch McConnell back then. And so uh, she left shortly after Trump was elected. But um, she, she was a field rep in Kentucky for Mitch McConnell. And I'm over here working for like a prominent Democrat. And people are like, how are you guys best friends? Like, and when I say best friends, she's like my sister. Yep. And uh, and we're like, because we're normal human beings who can have normal discussions and we love each other and we agree actually on a lot of things. Wow. And it was always, people were always just like, whoa, no way. And at first it was endearing to some of like my clients. And then after a while it was like, wait, no, we have like the other side is evil. They need to be painted as evil. We don't associate with them, blah, blah, blah. And I have my problems with Mitch McConnell, like don't get me wrong, but I'm not gonna sit there and call my best friend evil. One of the things I was proudest of, Kate, was that there were people who uh, were on the outside looking in who felt like I was trying to help yeah. them. And I've reflected a little bit on why this was or is. Uh, and part of it is that I was clearly not of the establishment. And I think a lot of these people just feel like the establishment uh, is looking down on them and doesn't give a shit about them. And absolutely, and, and because clearly the Asian dude is not, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like you're not going to send the Asian guy who wants to give everyone money. Yeah. Uh, so so that, that was a part of it. But there was a, another thing that really spoke to me and touched me where I ran into a supporter and her mother, avid Fox viewer, and said that Yang was the only Democrat that she'd support or consider supporting because he's the only one who doesn't seem like he's judging me. Yeah. And uh, so much of, of Trump's appeal is that he seems like he's listening to or speaking for people who don't feel like they're seen or heard in American life. Yep. Uh, and I naturally felt like these were folks that Democrats should be representing and fighting for oh, because for most sure. of them are working class. And I, I had this uh, view in my mind that it's the waitress or the uh, former manufacturing worker that are the lifeblood of what the Democratic Party should be about. When I was out there in the Midwest and found out that a lot of those people did not like Democrats, yeah. it, 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 uh, it, it made me sad, honestly. Yeah. Um, but th there is something uh, th there's something that we need to help capture, which is what you said is that, look, we just want to make things better for regular people. Yep. Uh, and this system is separating folks into these factions when really what is making us angry and miserable is shared by both the mom in Harlem and the person, you know, the, the, 
struggling family in Kentucky oh, or yeah. West Virginia. Like it's the same stuff. It's just that this system is pitting us against each other yep. so that we're all going to lose. Yep. And we're also told that it, there's only one solution, right? Like people in, you know, the struggling mom in Harlem and the struggling farmer in Kentucky might be dealing with similar issues and like both dealing with, you know, systematic problems on getting a job or battling corporations, that kind of thing. Child care, what have you. Child care, things like that. But the solutions there in rural Kentucky versus Harlem are going to be different. Yep. And and that's not a bad thing. No. That's a good thing. And what the way that we structure politics now because the parties have so much control is they basically say if you're a democrat you must believe these things. They must work in the rural Kentucky and in the Harlem. Which by the way gives up on 70% of the country yeah. geographically because yeah. Your stuff's never going to fly in, you know, most rural areas, which, like yeah. at least by land mass, is is most of the country. Yeah, and so and and the thing about Ford that I love is that we're focusing on bottom up. So we really, I like we're not people. You know, people love to talk within the binary of the left and the right, and we're not left or right. We're forward, and people are like naturally their minds wants to wants to go. We're middle. They're middle. They're middle. But they're we're not necessarily middle. We're literally going to communities and going to people and letting them figure out policies where, you know, we're presenting data, innovative solutions, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. What solves the homeless problem in L.A. is probably not going to solve the homeless problem in Lexington, Kentucky. Like, they're just two different places. And it doesn't mean that one solution is conservative and one's Democrat. Yeah. It literally just means that there's solutions. Yeah. And that's why. And so there has there has to be a new approach. Yes. To policy and solving problems. Just out of the binary. So. Out of the binary. Yep. I will confess to you, Kate, uh, some of the things I want to see in the world are pretty far out. Yeah. I just don't think that our current political system has any interest in delivering no, <laughs> a, whole, no. a whole host of things. Not that, at all. That, that, and, and, and forward offers an opportunity because we support things like final five voting, open primaries, ranked choice voting, as we move through these states and these cities yeah. and these localities, what we're trying to do is we're trying to fight to open the system. So some, some of my friends who are like sick of both sides, they're like, I'm done, like these elites don't care about me, where do I go? I'm like, you know what, come to forward, help us open the system up. Yes. And then if there's six parties and you fit better with that party over there, Go. Leave. It's Go. just right now you don't have that choice. Yeah, but right now you, you have captive. literally no option. Yeah. And so, and most of them are like, hmm, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And it's like, there you go. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just have to take this message out to people as quickly and effectively yes. as we can in different ways because a lot of people, you know, they're, they have their uh, hands full just getting by and, and, you know, you have to make it work for them and relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you again for being such a, a patriot person, a character, like a real leader. Thanks. Uh, I've really enjoyed spending time with you everywhere we've been. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and you and I are two of the primary figures responsible for making sure that Forward gets uh, the resources it needs. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of help, but yeah, you we know, do. we we also uh, have our fair share of yeah. uh, work to do. 
so if you had any guidance or advice for someone who wants to learn more, spread the word, get involved, uh, yeah. you know, what, what do you say to, because it sounds like you've been doing a great job with your friends. Yeah, uh, go to for, forwardparty.com, um, sign up. I actually, when I'm just wandering around Kentucky, I'll go, I live in this small town right outside of Lexington now in central Kentucky. I go to the local bar all the time and most of them are Trumpers. Most of them think you're cool. Most of them nice. love like what, uh, when I talk to them about open primaries, final five, ranked choice voting, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, that's fine. Like, that sounds good. I would vote for that. And I'm like, of course you would. And then I go into Lexington, which has a more blue, like sure. is red, Cosmo. but has a more, yeah. And uh, my stepmom actually is very, very involved with the community in, in Lexington and, and I'll run into people with her and they'll be like, well, I'm traditionally Democrat and, or I, you know, I vote Democrat specifically because I don't want to vote, like only because I don't want to vote for like Trump's party. And I'll be, I'll just talk to them about forward and actually my stepmom's doing a good job of doing that too. But <laughs> they'll just talk about forward and they'll be like, oh, I'm sold, I'm done. And like right then and there, people just like sign up for it. So. Uh, so yeah, so forwardparty.com, that's the best way you can sign up um, and learn more information and, and you know figure out what you want to do. But there's so much to do and we have active people in literally all 50 states. It's pretty wonderful. It's insane. I, I, and I've worked in, in politics a long time, not as long as everybody else at Forward, but, uh, or some of the other people at Forward, but I have seen enthusiasm come and go in waves, you know, on the Democratic side. I've never seen enthusiasm the way that I see it with Forward. And I, I'm getting this, you know, I work a lot with donors and I'm, I'm getting some of this from donors, but then when I deal with like the grassroots people when we do events, when, yep. when we're traveling, I am just like blown away. The people want this. They want it so bad. And the people who don't have time to volunteer and stuff, who who maybe stop by the events or who I talk to in Kentucky or, you know, whenever I'm traveling and just talk to randomly, they want it. They want it bad. And they just want to, like, know when it happens so that they can just be a part of it. So yeah, I, I feel the same thing, Kate, and I, I feel this responsibility to bring this to them. Yeah. Well, because the the average person, and, and here, here's the, the thing, is, like, you have these two behemoth parties you know like multi-billion dollar parties and then we're like the scrappy upstart being yeah. like hey guys let's like fix the system like let's try and align the incentives like do this thing and the average american uh needs to get frankly like tapped on the shoulder and be like hey like there there is this um yes. race there's this thing in your community it's going to be relevant to you uh and so we just need to build the org to a point where it arrives in their community yes. whether that's like a local event whether that is like a school board or city council or congressional race or wh whatever it is but I, I i feel very very much in my bones that uh, if we bring this to them, then millions of Americans and, and you know, I get thanked every day just walking around. People yeah. like oh, that because there's like this instinct that people have yep. still that there's like this machinery <laughs> and then we're trying to build something outside of the machine to improve the, the machine. And so folks who are not that politically engaged just sense that we're trying to do something positive yep. and they, they just come up to me every day and, and sometimes I can sense that they don't really 
frankly, like know the ins and outs. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it is, uh, they just sense that we're fighting for them. Yeah. And they just come up and we're just like, hey, you know, thank you for, for what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love walking down the street with you sometimes and and seeing when people get excited and, and especially when they're like, forward, man, forward. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's so great. It's, it's actually like one of my favorite uh, moments. Although I do love the random people who are like, Scared to approach you too. I think those are those ones are really funny. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm 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 a fairly friendly guy, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm trying to get you from place to place, too friendly. I'm like, stop taking pictures. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta go. Well, well, Kate, I'm so glad that you uh, decided to to join us. You made us better and stronger every step of the way, and I've learned Thanks. a ton from you. And we have a, a lot of work to do, but you're going to be like an enormous part of us getting where we need to go. Yeah, it's it's been wonderful. Thanks for, you know, taking a chance on me like I took a chance on you guys. And, <laughs> I think uh, you took a bigger chance than we did. <laughs> it's been great, though. Haven't regretted a single day. So I uh, have loved every second of it, and I can't wait to keep going.